Welcome to the Beyond Barriers podcast. If you're an ambitious woman who wants to dominate your career, then you are in the right place. This podcast is co-hosted by Nikki Barua, digital innovator, serial entrepreneur, author, and speaker. And Monica Marquez, ex-Googler, diversity expert, and senior corporate leader. From inspiring stories to cutting-edge strategies, you'll learn how to develop the skill set, mindset, and tool set to get future-ready fast and accelerate your success. Hi, I'm Monica, your host for today's episode. Have you ever wondered what a company recruiter looks for on your resume or within your LinkedIn profile? Or how much time recruiters actually spend surfing through LinkedIn? Well, in this episode, Ricardo Orna shares his insights and perspectives as a recruiter at Google's YouTube and how he himself landed his job there after a recruiter reached out to him via LinkedIn. Ricardo's own journey as a Latinx Googler is inspirational and heartwarming and sheds light on his passion to help others in their job search in his role as a talent engagement program manager at YouTube. Born in Lima, Peru, Ricardo spent his childhood between South America and Florida. After graduating from the Florida State University with a degree in communications, he joined Teach for America, where he taught elementary and middle school Spanish in Baltimore for three years, then earning a master's degree in communication management from the University of Southern California. Aside from his core role, Ricardo hosts YouTube's orientation for new tubers, is heavily involved in the Hispanic, Latinx, and LGBTQ employee resource groups at Google, and is passionate about diversity and inclusion, intersectionality, physical mental health, education, and entertainment. Visit imbeyondbarriers.com where you'll find show notes and links to all the resources referenced in this episode, including the best way to get in touch with Ricardo. Hi, Ricardo. Thank you so much for joining us on the Beyond Barriers podcast. Of course. How are you? I'm amazing. It's a pleasure and an honor and a privilege to be invited to, to speak on this podcast and to reconnect with you, Monica. Thank you so much. Let's pretend like you're at a dinner party and someone asks you, what do you do, Ricardo? And just explain to them um, what it is that you do, and then we'll jump into your story and your journey. Yeah, that sounds great. So I've been at Google for almost four years. Never in a million years thought I would be, be saying that, but uh-huh. here I am. I specifically work on our staffing team at YouTube, so I focus on hiring top talent across the board, but mainly focused on tech hiring. Uh-huh. Um, that is my core role. It's just building an incredible workforce that's, mm-hmm. that's representative and talented. Um, but I do spend some time also working on retention and progression efforts, ensuring that we have a positive culture uh, here at Google and YouTube. So it's a little bit of what I do. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about your journey and your story, because you have, um, you have an interesting background and loving that you, you know, you, you, did a little bit of changing industries, changing roles, and I think it's something that you thrive on. So share with our audience a little bit about um, how you did switch lanes. You switched industries, and how did you hit the ground running to make sure that you accelerated in your success? Yeah, definitely. It's funny because I think this question and this podcast comes at a very, uh, it's very timely. I've Uh been thinking a lot recently about my career trajectory and some of the lessons that I've learned in the past because I I do believe that reflecting on those experiences will help me make decisions in Mm -hmm. in the near future. And so there's been kind of a theme, if if you don't mind me starting with this theme or this lesson that I've learned as I'm looking back at my career. Uh, And it's to not be afraid to forge your own path, but Mm -hmm. do so strategically and with intentionality. 
Mm. And, and I think once I end my, my journey, which I'll try to keep brief, uh, it'll kind of make sense why I'm, I'm really focused on forging path with strategy and with intention. So Do share. I was, yeah, yeah, I was, I was born in Lima, Peru. Uh, uh-huh. And I love starting with that because I'm a very proud Peruano. Uh, if you haven't had Peruvian food, please do yourself a favor and check it out. <laughs> Just, you definitely will. But it also plays a, a huge role in my identity. Um, mm-hmm. Specifically, I identify as Gen 1.5, which means that, you know, I arrived to the United States as a child, kind of like a split identity. I, I sometimes related to my American counterparts. I sometimes related to my friends who are also immigrants. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I moved back and forth between Peru and the States about five times before I was 11. Mm. And, uh, you know, back then it, it, it was rough. You know, I'd make a friend <laughs> and then it's like, hey, it was a great friendship, but I'm moving to another continent and had to uh-huh. do that a few times. But as I look back, I, I do realize that it was a blessing to mm-hmm. be bicultural, to experience school in a different country. And I do feel it played a role in building character and empathy in, in my uh, upbringing. So mm-hmm. very thankful for that. But when we did finally settle uh, in Florida in 2000, I went to school. I went to Florida State University where I studied communications. And I you know, kind of randomly fell into an internship with a company called Teach for America. Mm, yes. And so I, while I had like no intention of ever teaching in the classroom through that internship, I was convinced to apply. And, uh-huh. uh, you know, I, I moved to Baltimore in 2011 and joined the Baltimore Corps, where I taught elementary and middle school Spanish for three years. Um, and I got to be honest, those three years were by far the, the hardest thing I've ever done, but also the most rewarding. So it was a, an incredible experience. And I'm super grateful for, for that organization. I, I totally can relate. I think um, my mom was a lifelong teacher, and I don't think people realize how difficult it is to be in the classroom um, mm-hmm. and teaching. I think it's very underestimated and undervalued, but uh, kudos to you for giving three years to those children. Thank you. No, of course. And, and to your point, I actually wish so many times I could just go back 15 or 20 years and just tell my teacher, oh, I get it. Like, you're right. I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, why did yes. I ever doubt you? Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, it was an incredible three years. And while after those three years, I left the classroom. Um, from that moment, I became an education advocate for life, which has been mm-hmm. really great. But I did, I did have this itch to continue growing academically. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be a student. And so after my three years in the Corps, I actually moved to Los Angeles to mm-hmm. uh, get my master's in communication management from USC, the University of Southern California. Mm-hmm. And um, I think the reason I chose LA is because as an immigrant, the American dream for me was always New York City or LA. It's something right. that I was fed through media and movies, right? It's like the Hollywood <laughs> sign or the exactly. Statue of Liberty. <laughs> there you have it. Yes. And, and while I love New York, it's one of my favorite cities. New York City is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I visited a lot when I was in Baltimore and I had never done LA. So went to LA. I got my master's in communication management. Mm -hmm. And this is where I did a myriad of things. This is where the the lesson starts popping up. And Uh I'm going to share what I did not to brag, but just to kind of highlight that I was a bit of a hot mess. And (laughs) I think that's okay um, for for anyone that can relate to having a lot of areas of passion or things that you want to develop. So Mm -hmm. um, while I was going to school full time, I was an academic advisor to to undergrads to to stay connected with helping students. Mm -hmm. I was the president of the grad students because I loved event planning and culture building. Mm -hmm. I was recruiting part-time for Teach for America, so I Mm -hmm. wanted to stay connected with the mission. Um, And I randomly ended up working in entertainment as an on-air host in in entertainment reporting. And um, it was really, really (laughs) random, but it ended up being something that I was super passionate about. So uh, it's, you know, a hodgepodge of random things that back then I didn't know how they connected. But now as I reflect, I I am finding a common thread of communication. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And so at the end of my master's, I heard from Google on LinkedIn. They reached out to me, asked me if I wanted to interview. Um, so just a little tip, make sure you, you really work on that LinkedIn. You never know who can reach out. Absolutely. That is one of the things that we're always sharing with them is that your profile on LinkedIn is, is definitely one of the key resources that will help you um, in your in job searching. I mean, I think it's, it's almost... It's, it's what everybody uses now. It's, it's crazy how with, you know, just technology that re paper resume is almost obsolete. Mm -hmm. so. <laughs> yeah. And then firsthand as a recruiter, I spent a lot of my day on LinkedIn. So I think that's a great tip to share. But when they did reach out, uh, I think imposter syndrome hit a little bit. They, they mm -hmm. asked me and I said, I'm, I'm sorry, I think you got the wrong Ricardo because I, you know, I've been in education, I've been in nonprofit, I've been in entertainment, and I barely know how to use a laptop. So <laughs> you know, I, I don't know if tech is the world for me. Right. Um, but they let me know that I did have a transferable skill. I was recruiting teachers um, mm -hmm. and work branding and marketing, and that's a skill that I could use in the world of tech. So mm -hmm. I accepted. Um, obviously to further my career, to, to check out our new city in San Francisco and to experience a different industry. But if I'm being completely honest, the main impetus was my siblings and I view our success through our ability to ensure our parents know that their sacrifice was worth it. Mm -hmm. So both of my parents born and raised in Peru and they left their country, their careers and their family to, to provide for us. Mm -hmm. And so for my siblings and I, we want to make sure that we are able to financially sustain our, our family and support mm -hmm. them and show them, hey, you know, the sacrifice was worth it for you to move here. So, no, absolutely, that's beautiful. Yeah, so that was that was four years ago. I've been at Google for four years, and like I said, I spent most of my time in staffing, but I've really been able to flex my muscles in other areas, including diversity and inclusion, people development, and of course my my current passion, which is hosting, reporting, emceeing, anything that has to do with being on camera or. On <laughs> You're an absolute natural, Ricardo. Um, I do. I do have a question for you because you talked a little bit about you know you get the you get the ping on LinkedIn from uh, from Google, and you say that you had that moment uh, or split second of imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. um, tell me a little bit about you know struggling with those fears or those limiting beliefs that you know almost prevented you from pursuing the opportunity um how did you ever overcome those fears and and how would you share with you know any of our listeners how to kind of uh, keep that in check especially when an opportunity knocks definitely no I, that's a really really good question i think i've been thinking a lot about fear and obstacles that stop me from achieving what i want and for me a lot of it has to do with mental health Mm -hmm. Every single person has experiences, whether it's in their past or present, that develop fears, whether it's traumas, whether it's negative incidents. And I think mm -hmm. we really need to prioritize, or at least what I've done is I've prioritized taking time to dig deep into mm -hmm. who I am and who I was. What are the experiences that have made me into the man I am today? Mm -hmm. And out of those experiences that I can't control because they're in the past, how do I take key learnings from those mm -hmm. and develop the ability to get through those obstacles? Mm -hmm. So it's been, a, it's been a blend of a lot of internal reflection through meditation and yoga, video mm -hmm. journaling, all the way to you know, therapy and then chatting mm -hmm. with professionals. And I feel very strongly about destigmatizing mental health. Mm -hmm. I feel strongly about the importance of having a connection with someone that can hear you out without judgment and allow you to kind of sift through your mess because we mm -hmm. all carry a mess. Yes. And so being able to, to reflect by myself and with others has allowed me to identify, okay, what are those fears? Where do they stem from? And what steps can I take day to day 
to kind of get through them. And honestly, that's, I think that's the biggest joy that I've had the past two or three years is seeing how learning to understand and love and embrace myself has turned into me being successful in my career and as a professional. I still have a lot of work to do, a lot of growth. I still have a lot of mess to go through, but it's cool to see that growth through the work that I put in. That's amazing. What is the, the, the one critical thing that, you know, as you do look for various different people with skill sets and whatnot on LinkedIn, what is it that you look for? What differentiates one, someone's profile in LinkedIn from another? Yeah, that's a, that is such a good question. And it's tough because I'm one of those people that likes to see the best in everyone. Mm-hmm. And I, I hear people's stories. I hear people's reasons for why they want to join Google. And, you know, I'm an avid believer that it's a great company. And, and I love hearing people's reasons why they want to be there. Mm-hmm. And while I do think why is at the heart of the matter, you got to have the what and the how. Mm-hmm. And so I see amazing resumes all the time and amazing backgrounds, but what I think really helps candidates get through the process and truly have a shot at being not, not just at Google, but at the company of their dreams, right. it's how do you tailor your background and your experiences to what is being asked of you in that role? Mm. And that takes a lot of strategy. Even before the strategy of applying, you got to know who you are and what you value and what you bring to the table. Mm-hmm. And once you are clear on that, how do you put that on paper? Because that paper, whether it's a physical paper that you hand to a recruiter or your LinkedIn profile, should highlight why you are a match for that role. Mm. Once you get past that step and the recruiter has a few seconds to look through your, your resume or LinkedIn and they think you're a match, then you get to the interview phase and that's where you're able to really highlight your passion and your background and your skills. But I think that first step for me is acknowledging how that person read the role, read the requirements, mm-hmm. and strategically made sure they had that on their resume, if they, if they do have those experiences. So that is my biggest tip. Focus on what is being asked of you in that role. And if you have those qualities and experiences, put them on your resume, make them very, very clear for your recruiter to see. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. And You shared just personally how you have sometimes a lot of competing priorities because you like to pursue a lot of different passions. How do you manage competing? um, You know, how do you manage those competing priorities between kind of your personal and professional goals? And then how do sometimes maybe they match up? Yeah, that is a great question. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of working on this. It's it's (laughs) constantly an area of opportunity for me. Mm -hmm. But one thing that I will share is that I like to focus on priorities that hit on overlapping goals, right? Mm -hmm. I'm able to focus on an action that allows me to be better both as a person and a professional. Mm -hmm. I feel like perfect. Two birds with one stone or what did I hear? Feed two birds with one scone. I I Uh. heard that one. I like it better because you don't want to kill (laughs) a bird. That's true. I love that. Okay. Um, I'm going to start using that. (laughs) (laughs) So the way that I'm able to tackle that is, 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 you know, identify uh, overlapping goals. So for example, if I Something that I've really been trying to focus on is my productivity and my energy levels at work. I want to make sure that I'm focused so I get the most work done and I'm productive. Mm-hmm. And you know, in parallel, I also want to work on my fitness. You know, I've got some, some fitness goals to, to mm-hmm. be healthy on the nutrition side, but also just making sure that I'm happy with myself physically and, and I'm healthy, most importantly. Mm-hmm. And so I realized that by setting a schedule where I'm up at 7 in the morning, Monday through Friday and working out, not only am I ensuring that I wake up early so I've got more time in the day, mm-hmm. I'm getting the energy I need to be productive and focused mm-hmm. while at the same time hitting on my personal body goals. Yes. And so I really, really like to focus on, on, on both of those. Um, 
And then the last thing that I think really guides me in deciding what priorities I should focus on, a friend of mine from Florida gave me a good analogy that we're all always juggling these, these balls, right? Like, mm-hmm. a, like a juggler. And sometimes you're going to drop a ball and that's okay. Mm-hmm. But you have to be aware of which ball you are constantly dropping, right? What's the ball that always stays in the air, whether mm-hmm. it's your relationships, your career, your body, your mental health? Mm-hmm. your finances, and what are the balls that you're always dropping? And not only that, think about the balls that are glass that you can't really afford to drop right. and the balls that are rubber that can bounce back up and it's okay to sometimes let go of those. Mm-hmm. So it's analyzing your priorities. What are some non-negotiables? Where are some areas where you can have a little more wiggle room? And where are the ones where you can you know, tag team it and get both of those with one action? <laughs> I love your, your the tag teaming, the, the kind of the whole habit stacking and, and how can you feed two birds with one scone? Um, you know, that's definitely something where you're, you're kind of leveraging um, and maximizing time. So, mm-hmm. so I think that is, is amazing that you, um, that you do that. And I think that that's probably um, a product of why you're so successful. So, so that's, that's amazing. Um, Let's shift gears a little bit, and and because I know that this is an area, and I think this is how you and I also have um, a strong uh, connection is um, community, and right. and how you um, you know how you leverage community, and how you um, you know foster community to kind of help you. Um, one, be successful, you know, from a professional perspective, but also personally, you know, how community feeds you. Mm. Definitely. So community has been at the center of every single industry that I have been in. So mm-hmm. when I was in Florida State, I heavily leaned into recognized student organizations. Mm-hmm. When I was in Teach for America, I leaned into our affinity groups. Here at Google, I'm very passionate about our employee resource groups. Now, I'll be honest, the, the socials, like that, that's a very fun part, right, that I love. I love mm-hmm. connecting with um, Familia in my Latinx mm-hmm. uh, employee resource group. And I love building camaraderie. But what I've also noticed is that community is directly tied to your success as a professional. Mm-hmm. I've discovered these gems of how you can excel your career by leveraging your network. Mm-hmm. And when I say leveraging, I don't mean using other people to get to where you want to go. Mm-hmm. At the heart of community is, is that mutual growth. So you're right. helping others as much as they're helping you. You are stronger as a unit, and we're all constantly uplifting each other. And I mm-hmm. think to find that community wherever you are is critical. It doesn't matter if it's tech. You could be in any industry, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it could be an affinity, or it could just be a group of professionals that have something in common. Mm-hmm. Uh, but really building a strong network with a foundation that uplift, uplifts each other is, has been critical. So everything from meeting folks in my industry to making connections with leaders that can really help propel my career. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's invaluable. It's what I've loved the most about Google personally. I love that. And you talked about making connection with influential leaders. Can you mm-hmm. um, share with the audience, like what has helped you gain that access or, or, you know, how do you, how do you approach, you know, connecting with, with a senior leader or someone that you feel you would like to get to know, but may not have that connection? Right. So I think I, I was very lucky in my first few experiences in uh-huh. Florida State and Teach for America. I, I didn't really have a plan. I kind of just came across the opportunity to meet a leader. And I think once I had enough of those experiences and I understood the value mm-hmm. of having connections at, at the leadership level, I was like, all right, let's take a step back and make sure we have a plan because I don't mm-hmm. know how long this luck is going to last. Right. <laughs> so 
I would say the past four or five years, mainly uh, within the space of, of tech, I've, I've done my research. You mm-hmm. know, I, I, I find out where the leaders are and who they are. And I try to understand what circles they're involved in. Mm-hmm. So, for example, in, in grad school, my, my last year of grad school, I saw that all of our faculty and staff and, and folks who are very well-known and renowned in their field mm-hmm. all sat in the, the first floor of one of our buildings. Mm-hmm. I also saw that that first floor included academic advising and there mm-hmm. was a job opening there. So, of course, the main reason I did that is because I want to help our students and I want to stay connected with higher education and student affairs. Mm-hmm. But a byproduct of that was just proximity. Mm-hmm. physical access to leadership is huge. You know, right. the odds of you bumping into them are huge. And so that's one example. Um, the second, of course, uh, at Google, within the employer resource groups, knowing how heavily involved leadership is mm-hmm. serving as executive sponsors, I knew that if I wanted to have access to leaders in that space, I would not only need to be involved, but grow as a leader in that space. Mm-hmm. Because the beautiful thing about these leaders is while they are a wealth of wisdom and insight and knowledge, they're also eager to learn, learn from yes. all of us. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't matter what your level is or what your title is, you have something to give. And when you know what you have to give, you're able to make those connections. And again, you make it a mutually beneficial relationship, which is beautiful. So I'd recommend do your research, know who the leaders are and where they hang out, where they gather, where they interact. And, and, and kind of plot out what steps you need to take to be in that circle and in that space because you do have value that they're looking for. That's such a critical insight in terms of individuals having value to give to other people. And all of the conversations that we have a lot of, uh, with a lot of the women in our Beyond Barriers community, many of them shy away from the leveraging their network or their, mm-hmm. you know, or leveraging their connections. But um, I love the way that you say you look at it. You have it that perspective of, you know, what you have of value to offer them and this this mutually beneficial relationship of just being able to think about how can I help them? And in turn, it just is kind of this natural kind of reciprocal, um, you know, uh, benefit in terms of they also wanting to, to help you. So I really Uh do love that you um, shared that because I think that's, that's an important point for us to, um, you know, impress upon our listeners that, Networking isn't this, you know, negative. So let's talk a little bit about um, community and how you leaned on your community um, as well whenever you were facing challenges. So can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a huge mindset shift and, and reframing that's required to kind of view your failures or your setbacks as necessary to grow. Mm-hmm. I know it's something that we all hear. We've heard it ad nauseum and it's, it's easier said than done. I always kind of struggle where it's like, oh, you didn't get the interview. It's okay. It's part of the process, you know, and <laughs> right. I, I think that that's well-intentioned and I think it, it's beautiful to hear that from, from other people, mm-hmm. um, but it really takes stepping back and actually viewing you know, analyzing the failure and and dissecting it to really be able to maximize it. So one of the things that I focus on the most is when I do have a failure, I tend to, right, I used to really tend to harp on it. And I think Mm -hmm. a lot of us do. And again, I'm going to go back to mental health because I think a lot of these failures have connections with shame and guilt, Mm -hmm. things that are ingrained within us because of society largely, right? Mm -hmm. And so I want to make sure that I do work to understand where is guilt or shame coming from first. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Brene Brown is a, is a huge resource there in understanding 
what role those emotions and feelings play in our work. Right. But I think once I was able to work through, okay, there is no shame and there is no guilt. I also lean into, um, I believe it's called the, the serenity prayer. It has other names, but it's this idea of not focusing on what you can't control. And the beautiful thing about a failure or a setback is that they're both in the past. Right. Can you use learnings from those experiences to improve and iterate? Absolutely. But you cannot change that. Um, and, and, and I think that's really important. When I think about my failures and my, and my setbacks, I say a lot of, I should, right? I should have done this. I should have done that. Mm-hmm. And I actually think should is a very, it's a very tricky word, right? Mm-hmm. It's got this yes. idea that if you could go back, you would do something or else something bad is going to happen. It's tied to a negative. It's tied to guilt and shame. So I, I try to remove should from my mm-hmm. vocabulary. I say, this is what happened. This is what the result was. And here's how I'm going to move forward. Um, so small things like just digging a little deeper into yourself, understanding what role failures and setbacks have played in your past, and even changing verbiage or your mindset around how that is a reflection or isn't a reflection of you is really important. You are not your failures. Your failures add to the mix of how you can continue to improve. It's simply an ingredient, but mm-hmm. it is not who you are. And I think truly understanding that we're not a reflection of our failures is the first step. That's very insightful. And I love how you were, are sharing the idea of, you know, shoulda, coulda, woulda is Uh is definitely some, you know, I would say um, vocabulary you should get rid of and really think about language like, you know, how can I? do things differently next time? Or how can I learn from this? Um, and, and having a little bit more, like you said, of this, you know, positive uh, forward kind of thinking or falling forward, right? And, and learning from that, I, I think that's e- extremely powerful. Yeah, because if you think about it, like, what should we do? That's up to us. We are the drivers of our own ship. And when we add should, it's as if we're not following some norm that was already set. And I'm all about, let's look at this norm, who said it, and should mm-hmm. we continue to follow it? Or do we dismantle it because it doesn't align with how we grow as a people, you know? And, and when you think about systems of oppression and inequity, I encourage every single person to question, okay, why should I do this? Who said I should do this? And why mm-hmm. am I bound to this idea or this commitment that I didn't even have a say in creating? So I think removing should gives you more power and autonomy and onus over your actions. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. What key advice would you give, I would say, potential candidates or individuals looking to land a job at at Google in any any capacity? What would you say is the key to really um, differentiating themselves in, you know, being able to, one, land the interview for, for that matter, but then two, once they get the interview, what, you know, what should someone focus on? Or maybe, maybe the better question is, is what do you see a lot of candidates doing that may be this you know, interview uh, blunder that really kind of is what seals the deal for them and not getting um, you know, a second interview, third interview, or even the offer? Yeah, I mean that this is my day to day, right? I I've been in recruiting for about 8 years and what I love the most is obviously seeing candidates through the process, but what the hardest thing is is obviously letting someone know that they didn't get a job, the rejection. Though I know holistically hopefully that rejection will be a part of making them a better candidate in the future. Uh-huh. Um, but I've been reflecting a lot around the candidates who have started the process and not made it all the way. Uh on a personal level, I want to make sure that I'm able to remove roadblocks. Um, and I want to make sure that there's nothing 
out of the candidate's control that's impeding them from making it through the process. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I I can share a few tactical things that I recommend everyone do. Some of them are super, super basic, and you might have heard them uh, a few times, but I'm happy to reiterate and say, hey, this isn't a myth. Actually, please do this, and it's really important. Right. So on a a tactical level, uh, I recommend having a one-page resume. Mm-hmm. Think about the just the sheer volume of resumes that staffing teams are going through. Again, regardless of your industry or company, you want to make sure to be as concise as possible. You know, oftentimes I, I think that someone who writes more is is in a sense trying to show that they're a match or that they've got the skills. And I think there's power in being concise. There's power in being. Um, really strategic with the experiences that you put on there. You don't have to put everything. Mm-hmm. So try to be as concise as possible. Obviously, if you have more than 10 years of experience, it can, it can be a little longer, but uh, being concise is number one. Number two, I mentioned this already, but just tailoring each resume to the role that you're applying for. I have a ton of folks that ask me, hey, I want a job at Google. Here's my resume. And I'm surprised that they haven't identified, you know, it doesn't have to be a specific team, but at least a general area, a vertical, Mm -hmm. an organization. And again, that has to do with knowing who you are and what value you add. Mm -hmm. I think we, we like to be Jack or Jill or Jays of all trades, Mm -hmm. which, which can be nice, right? To, to know a little bit of everything, but I think you also have to have that depth. You don't Mm -hmm. want to be a master of none. Right. So I encourage folks being able to have some breadth Mm-hmm. knowing a little bit of a few things, but also have one or two areas where you have some depth. We, we want to have a place where you are an expert and you are adding value that other people in that room don't have. So, so know, what you're, know what you're good at. Mm-hmm. And last but not least, we always hear this whole be yourself thing. And again, I think it's easier said than done. I don't think repeating it over and over again is going to make people really lean into it. But mm-hmm. Let me tell you, it shows in an interview where someone is just themselves, mm-hmm. where someone is so sure of who they are. They're like, look, this is who I am. Take it or leave it. And at the end of the day, I think that's the most beautiful thing, because if you put up a front of someone who you're not, eventually you're going to get caught. And it's like, hold up, that's <laughs> right. not the person that interviewed. Um, and so I think uh, just just knowing who you are, whether it's the way you communicate in your quirks, of course, within the within the confines of a professional interview. I don't mean if like, you know, who you truly are is, you know, in your jammies on the couch, like don't show up to, to your interview in jammies, but, <laughs> right. um, you know, ha- have the professional guidelines, but really lean into who you are and know who you are because that authenticity is what captivates me the most when I'm interviewing folks. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. And I love how you were very precise on what they need to focus on. But um, most importantly, of knowing who you are and what you're good at mm-hmm. um, and being able to craft that or tell it in a story, in a concise story, will help them differentiate themselves enough to where if it wasn't a good fit, it's, it's really what you wanted to know, especially for being authentic. Right. And, and I will say, sorry, just one last thing popped to mind that I think is yes. super important. We're in a day and age where information is at the tip of our fingers. Like you have access to what Google is about and when we were recreated. Um, you have access into what the role is asking of you and, and information from folks who have interviewed in the past. Mm-hmm. So I encourage everyone to just come prepared and do your research. Like if you want to work at a company that you are passionate about, that you, you believe is the dream place where you want to end up, put in the work. And, uh, you know, you'd be surprised at how, how many folks I know, and again, this 
is not specific to the tech industry, but that go into an interview and don't fully understand everything about the company or the vertical or the team or the role. And I think that says a lot. Um, that says a lot about the value that you can bring to the company. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really encourage people to just, there's no such thing as being overprepared to do the readings, you know, read articles that are relevant about the company that are currently affecting the company. Because mm-hmm. um, that's going to show your recruiter that you really do care beyond just what's asked of you, right? You want to go in 120% and say, yep, I meet the requirements and I found this interesting or, and I have this tidbit of information that you might find surprising that I know. So uh, go above and beyond when it comes to research. Thank you. Love, love that. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much, Ricardo, for all of the time and all of the pearls of wisdom and really honestly, beautiful insights that you've shared with individuals. And I know that our listeners will be keen on wanting to know the best way to connect with you. So if you could share with us, you know, how do we get in contact with you and, um, and also, anything else you'd like to share with us? Definitely. Well, first of all, it's been an honor to be on this podcast. I think it's super important. Um, on a personal note, I, I consider myself an aspiring ally, right? I, I believe allyship is something that is granted by the community. So I mm-hmm. continuously push myself to, to acknowledge my male privilege and see how I can use that privilege to leverage others and uplift others. So it's, it truly is a, a pleasure to be on here. I'd love to stay connected with folks that are listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, my, my go-to for connections is LinkedIn. So if you want to look me up, you can just look up uh, Ricardo Orna. That's R-I-C-A-R-D-O. Last name is H-O-R-N-A. And if you put Google or YouTube, I should be one of the first ones that pops up. So mm-hmm. feel free to add me on there. Obviously, be, be cognizant. I am in the recruiting space. So I, <laughs> I get a, a few messages every now and then. Um, but I'm happy to stay connected with people. So even just adding a connect with me, it, it, I think is more than enough. You can follow mm-hmm. my stuff and then we connect accordingly. Uh, and secondly, I'm, I'm happy to share my my Instagram. And I'll be honest, this is a a moment of vulnerability. Uh, As I (laughs) continue to forge my own path strategically, Uh I I do want to make sure that I'm, uh, you know, sharing my social media. It's a space that I want to be in, in terms of entertainment and, and kind of highlighting what I'm doing in that space. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I I would love to just start building a community on Instagram. And that's another way to stay in contact with me. So you can find me at uh, Rico Luis 07. uh, That's R I C O L U I S 07. Um, If you add me as soon as you hear this, uh, expect some changes. You know, I'm working on on different iterations (laughs) and improving my page. Um, Mm -hmm. But for now I want to be vulnerable and open and you know, this is who I am right now. So feel free to add me on there and I'm happy to stay connected. Well, thank you so much, Ricardo, and especially for your sincere authenticity. I can always count on that. And it was a pleasure. And I loved reconnecting with you. Thanks so much. Likewise. Thank you, Monica. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for listening. There are thousands of podcasts out there, and we are so grateful that you've chosen to listen to ours. Visit IamBeyondBarriers.com, where you'll find show notes and links to all the resources referenced in this episode. And be sure to take the quiz on the website. Your score will tell you where you are, what helps you gain momentum, and what holds you back. You'll also get a free guide with cutting-edge career strategies. We'd also love to hear from you. Share your comments and topic suggestions on IamBeyondBarriers.com and we'll be sure to address them in future episodes. If you enjoyed our show today, please subscribe and rate the podcast or just tell a friend about it. See you next episode.